Are you that weirdo who's fascinated by what's beyond this life and the next? Then this is the podcast for you. Welcome to Happy Hour Gets Weird. Hi, and welcome back, friends and weirdos. This is Happy Hour Gets Weird. I'm Cassie. And I'm Tiffany. And we are a couple of friends who have drinks and talk about weird shit on a podcast. Nailed it. We've bum, done bum, it again. Bum. Yes. 100% not awkward intros. That's our record. <laughs> that was amazing. Uh, so we're recording on a different day than usual. We missed a week to our millions and millions of fans out there. Um, you probably know that by now. Mm-hmm. Uh, last night I had four vodka sodas. <laughs> And proceeded to tell my husband serial killer facts for like an hour. (laughs) Information that he did not ask for and definitely did not want. (laughs) Awful. Which fact was he most surprised by or most disturbed by? Uh, I don't know. I just remember the conversation went from Juan Corona to Dean Coral to John Wayne Gacy very quickly. Oh, Okay. And then it took a quick left turn and I talked about the curse of Rosemary's baby. (laughs) One of our early episodes. So uh, that's what it's like to be married to me. That sounds lovely. That sounds lovely. Vodka soda and serial killer facts is like my dream. That's why we have a podcast together. That's right. That's true. That's true. Good point. Good point. (laughs) I, um, I obviously... I'm a fan of true crime and true crime like documentaries and shows and stuff. And my husband and I will watch them together and he'll always say, wow, that's crazy. I'm like, yeah, I already knew that. Already seen this one. Already know this case. And he's like, you have a problem. I'm very scared of you. Physically, I'm scared of you. I'm disturbed. (laughs) Uh, So what are we drinking today? Oh my gosh. I'm so glad you asked because it's fantastic it's fabulous i found it first of all we're drinking a strawberry vanilla gin and tonic yum and it is so much better than i could have imagined it to be Mm -hmm. so i found this at my local grocery store i found a strawberry vanilla tonic Ooh, and it was i love strawberry and vanilla and i feel like they are not They are underutilized when it comes to drinks and cocktails specifically. Totally. And this had, this tonic has prebiotics, it has plant protein and fiber, Mm. um, and it has a lovely, lovely strawberry vanilla flavor, and I just paired it with uh, Empress 1908 Gin, which is a beautiful purple color, so pink and purple, it's, it was, it's beautiful and i just squeezed a little bit of lemon in it and there you go chef's kiss strawberry vanilla gin and tonic sounds amazing and beautiful yes it is what a good drink what's our topic for today we have decided to i guess i was gonna say skirt the paranormal but we are full-on paranormal today well i don't know if it's considered paranormal there's paranormal aspects but we are talking about near death experiences today such a cool topic it really is it is talk about existential you know it's fascinating so 
I really enjoyed researching this for this episode and I hope that you guys listening really enjoy this topic because for me it is just so so fascinating. All right, so before we get into our stories of near death experience also known as NDE, I'm mm-hmm. going we need I think we need to t- explore the idea of consciousness and our consciousness. So what is consciousness? And I just straight up googled, googled it and uh, according to Merriam-Webster, consciousness or the definition of consciousness is the quality or state of being aware, especially of something within oneself. Uh, the totality of consciousness states of an individual, the normal state of conscious life, the upper level of mental life of which the person is aware as contrasted with unconscious process. So kind of complicated, a little bit complicated, but a near-death experience has to do with our consciousness. And I only realized this after I researched for this episode. And well, simply put, when we're declared dead, our brains cease to function. They're flatlined, there's no brain activity. It's basically from a lack of oxygen for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. If we were to consider our brains the source of our consciousness, then no brain function equals no consciousness, right? Mm-hmm. However, according to millions of people across the globe who have shared their NDE experiences or have been studied, they state the polar opposite to be true. They had no brain function, all flatlined, declared dead, yet still had an experience of consciousness. And I just find that like, pardon the pun, but mind blowing. It is such a fascinating topic, NDE, and it just really makes you question so many things about being human, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really does. Okay, so that is like a little bit of a philosoph- philosophy, philosophicalness. I'm just making up words here. I don't know. Maybe in my next life, philosophicalness will be a word. I don't know. Phalanges. Phal- <laughs> Pastrami. <laughs> Pastrami. <laughs> um, so enough with the philosophy for now. Let's hear a story do you want to go first yes so I have a short story uh to share today that when I found it I was like this is amazing and weird and wonderful and I love it so my sources are everythingzoomer.com and globalnews.com and as always we'll have our sources listed on the show notes Adam Tapp was 37 years old when he had an experience he will never forget. Adam did woodworking as a hobby, and on this day in February 2018, he was at home with a friend trying out an etching technique using a microwave oven transformer. I watched a little YouTube on this just because I didn't know what a microwave oven transformer was, and it's basically, I'm going to explain this as somebody who knows nothing about anything. Okay. It's basically you take a part out of a microwave, like it does it like a non-functioning microwave you might have just lying around in your microwave collection. Uh-huh. 
you take a, a part out of it and then you use it to power like tools at a higher voltage type oh, thing. Oh, okay. As I believe this, I believe that's the point of it. But you know, I it, I could have misinterpreted the YouTube. But um, also, there's just a YouTube to do anything. Yeah. You want to take apart a microwave and make a tool that could be extremely dangerous. Here, watch this two minute tutorial. I've I've watched. Go. Um, I just recently watched a YouTube video on how to dismantle. And, uh, disassemble and reassemble my vacuum. I repaired my own vacuum. I'm proud of you. Thank you. Bucket list, you know, just checking them off day by day. I'm so happy that you finally got to that on your bucket list. <laughs> it's been on there for years, decades. <laughs> decades. <laughs> you were you were eight years old. Yes, and they you were like asked me in kindergarten. All I want to do. <laughs> What do you want to be when you grow up? I said, I want to be a woman who watches a YouTube video on how to disassemble and reassemble her vacuum. Nailed it. Mm-hmm. Adam was using this conductor when one misstep changed everything. Adam accidentally electrocuted himself oh, while woodworking, and 12,000 volts of electricity coursed through his body. Holy shit. His heart stopped. Adam described the incident in his own words. Quote, it was quite possibly the most excruciating pain I ever thought imaginable. I remember just being almost dumbfounded in a way, stunned. The current just shut off all my senses. I couldn't hear anything. I couldn't see anything. Just these vertical iridescent green bars like cylinders of various sizes. I remember thinking, I'm being electrocuted. I can't breathe. I think I'm dying. End quote. And... He wasn't wrong. Adam Tapp was dead for 11 and a half minutes. Luckily for Adam, his friend that was woodworking with him that day had just taken a high-voltage safety course. He disconnected Adam and called his wife, who was a cardiac nurse. They immediately started CPR, called 911, did all of the things you should do. Mm -hmm. Adam himself was a paramedic, so overall a pretty good group of people to be with in an emergency. Yeah, I like those odds. I believe his friend was a paramedic also. That's why he had just taken the high-voltage safety course. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's better. Like, could you imagine a group of, like... Me and you? Gr- yeah, us. I was going to say, like, a group of clowns. I don't know. So. Uh, A.K.A. us. <laughs> the ultimate clowns. I don't know. I if I don't know. I'd be like, can I roast a marshmallow on her? I don't know what to I do don't, I point. would just start, like, hysterically laughing is what I do in, in, in situations that require immediate assistance. I just panic and laugh. Just hysteria. I just sink right into hysteria. Not helpful. No. Not helpful. So an ambulance quickly arrived and paramedics drilled a hole into his shoulder bone for better drug access. They gave him epinephrine and defibrillated him two times before his heart started and Adam was alive again. Adam Tapp woke up six hours later with a strange story to tell. Adam remembers a feeling of falling, then being in a place that was kind of like space. He described what he saw around him as the way gasoline looks on water. He made a painting that he said resembles what he saw while he was gone. Adam said something like a frequency washed over him, and something was communicating with him through, as he puts it, thoughts and feelings and emotions. 
Adam said, I just started fading into the fabric of the universe. It was so warm and peaceful and pleasant. Also, we will post on our Instagram the painting that Adam made. It's epoxy art. It's beautiful. And um, he said that it was kind of like closely resembled what he saw while he was in this altered state. Yeah. Adam Tapp was one of 158 individuals who participated in a study with Western University and the University of Liège that used text mining and artificial intelligence to learn about NDE or near-death experiences. Their findings were that most people respond positively to near-death experiences. Participants were asked to write freely, a first-person narrative, if you will, about their NDE and those narratives with their language patterns and keywords were then analyzed by researchers. So that's what basically what text mining is. Mm -hmm. They pick a certain word and look for it Mm -hmm. and find the common thread between all the experiences. Yeah. And it's really important that it's like a free write situation that they're mining. Mm -hmm. Traditionally, NDEs are explored using standardized questionnaires like the Grayson scale. However, researchers feel those standardized questions may contain bias that can skew test results. Mm -hmm. So that's why they've gone to text mining like too many parameters uh, in the questions or or pointed maybe too pointed of questions like a question might inadvertently be leading a participant to Mm -hmm. answer a certain Mm -hmm. way and also a lot of times I think that tests are uh not perhaps purposefully but have a bias towards a certain gender race or socioeconomic class Mm -hmm. yeah one doctor involved in the study said Using text mining, we extracted words that were more on the positive side, like light and wellness, and saw that words like fear, while still part of the narrative, were much less dominant than the positive outcomes, Mm -hmm. which might be surprising to some people to hear. That was just my quote. That was me saying that, not the doctor. (laughs) (laughs) Um, To end this short exploration of near-death I wanted to close with a quote from Adam about how his NDE changed his opinions on death. What I take away from it is this absolute unequivocal feeling that death is supposed to happen. It might not be pleasant and we might not want it, but it is supposed to happen and it is very literally a necessary part of all life. He went on to say of dying, it's actually deeply beautiful. So, yeah, that's the story of Adam Tapp and his NDE. I can't. Dead for 11 minutes. That is a very long time to be dead. It seems like a long time to be dead. Longer than I would want to be dead. Yeah. Wow, that was a fascinating story among fascinating stories, which is hard to do. I am going to share a story uh, about Mary Neal. Uh, in 1999, Mary Neal, an uh, MD, an orthopedic spine surgeon, went to Chile to kayak. While kayaking down the river, another kayaker became lodged between two rocks, blocking Mary's path, sending her kayak over a large waterfall. <gasps> yeah. Mary And Mary told this in first person. Oh, speaking of which, I'm going to cite my source. It is Surviving Death season one episode one on netflix so i got to 
watch Mary tell this in first person and it was emotional. Um, so if you haven't seen Surviving Death on Netflix, check it out. It's cool. It covers a whole spectrum of death and dying and what happens after and beyond. Mary's boat became pinned under the water after she fell off the waterfall. And at this point, she knew she was going to die. She was drowning and she could feel her bones breaking, but she wasn't scared. She felt no pain or no fear. And then she felt her spirit peel away from her body and drift up towards, quote, the heavens. She was immediately greeted by beings, and she didn't know what to call them. She didn't know what they were, spirits or entities, so she just calls them beings. She didn't recognize them, but they knew her, and she felt that they were somehow an important part of her life like maybe a grandparent that had passed away before she was born something some there was some kind of connection like familial familial connection or familiarity Mm -hmm. they were overjoyed to welcome her they hugged her and she felt this like a like feelings like it was exactly like adam described it was like thoughts and feelings and emotions like a like a Mm -hmm. warm mental hug like a like she just felt joyous and they were joyous and and they led her down a pathway lined with hundreds of thousands of flowers and there were just flowers as far as she could see beautiful flowers and the scent in the air was just like floral like just an overwhelming beautiful floral scent and she said quote it was exploding with every color in the universe. And there was an absolute shift of time and dimension. I experienced all of eternity in a second and every, exec- and every second expanded into all of eternity. They took her, they led her on this path and the path ended at this large dome. And Mary had an overwhelming sense of being home. At the same time, she could see the group of kayakers in Chile trying to rescue her body. After 15 minutes, Mary's rescue shifted to a body recovery. One of the men saw Mary's life vest pop up downstream and he jumped in to retrieve it because he thought maybe her husband would like it. As he went to was swimming to grab the life vest, his leg brushed her body under the water and he pulled her up to the surface by her wrist. Mary was bloated and purple and she was absolutely physically dead in, in every sense. Mary watched the men start CPR from the entrance of the dome and she could also hear them what they were saying. And the man doing CPR was saying to her, come back to me, take a breath, come back to me. Mary had been without oxygen for 30 minutes. This is insane. It is truly insane i have chills all over my body it's me too it is insane statistically mary had zero chances of surviving zero mary also didn't want to go back to her body she had a very physical feeling of being comforted happy and reassured that everything was fine right where she was the beans told her though that it wasn't her time. She had more work to do and she had to go back to her body. 
She opened her eyes and the men trying to revive her were, sh- were shocked. They were stunned. Mary was in the middle of the Chilean jungle on the shore of a remote river and she had broken bones. She was in a um, kayak that you sit down in mm-hmm. and it was a single person kayak. So she mm-hmm. had broken a lot of bones basically from her waist down. I love kayaking, but I am terrified of the kind that like fit tightly around you. I don't like those. I would never go in one of those. No, I like a mo- more of an oval shaped open one where yeah. my legs can be free just in case shit goes yes. down. Yes, exactly. I'd rather just fall out than be stuck underneath in under. Yeah. Yes, it's very it's it's intimidating. OK, so they put Mary on top of a kayak on the back of it. And they carried Mm -hmm. the kayak out of the jungle. And their best hope was to get her to this uh, dirt road, that the closest dirt road. And then one person or a couple would have to run until they found somebody. They get out of the jungle to this dirt road. And there is a fucking ambulance right there, which Mary said is in 1999 in Chile, in the jungle, on a dirt road was impossible. It was how impossible how was it there it just was there they were just driving back from another event i don't know she didn't say divine intervention i don't know fuck maybe nobody asked any questions nobody called the ambulance driver was like hey what were you doing on that road and he might have said i i I don't know something told me to take a drive that day i don't know it took hours to get married to the hospital and they told her husband she probably wouldn't survive the night she did survive the night. However, she was in the hospital for over a month. Uh, sh- months. It took her months of therapy to learn how to walk again, talk again, do everything. And again, statistically, there was a 100% chance that she would have some kind of brain damage from the lack of oxygen. Mm-hmm. She had zero brain damage. Zero. She fully went back to her practice as a sp- how? spine surgeon she had zero zero and she made a 100 percent full recovery but mary's story doesn't end there okay okay this might be a little rough <laughs> it's emotional i'm actually gonna get emotional i can already feel myself so i apologize for that during her nde the beans that greeted Mary, uh, told her that there was going to be an unexpected death of her older son, Willie, who was nine at the time of her accident. She wasn't given details like a date or a time of his death, but she was made to believe that he would not live past his 18th birthday. And Mary asked, why? Why my son? And the beans told her, quote, beauty comes from all things. Mary said, you cannot, quote, you cannot imagine how hard it is to wake up every day wondering if today is going to be the day. And she said, her of all people tried to find every reason that this experience wasn't real. She said to me, of all people, if I could prove that this wasn't real, this didn't happen then I could disregard everything that I learned she didn't tell anybody what they told her 
or what she learned until a few days before Willie's 18th birthday. They were at a ski ski trip or a ski competition. He was a skier and she went to his room at four in the morning and knocked on his door and and that's when she told him. And she said, he thought I was crazy. He laughed and thought I was crazy, and but he took it in stride. And then when he reached his 18th birthday, Mary relaxed and she figured that maybe the plan for his life had changed. But about two years later, while away at a ski camp in Maine, Willie was roller skating on the side of the road with a friend of his, and he was struck by a car and killed instantly. And Mary's world stopped. Every, it stopped. And she said, quote, my experience did not and does not protect me from grief. I love my son and continue to love my son beyond my imagination. But my near-death experience changes how I understand death. Death is not the final word and it's not the end. Death is just a physical loss and I know my son is somewhere and I know that I will see him again. I don't even know how you just got through that. I it's I'm I have God, that is so sad. It was it I watched it three times. I felt like such an emotional I now I'm getting emotional. I felt like a, a such an emotional connection to Mary because I mean it's something so devastating to go through. That was rough. I watched it. I couldn't stop watching it. I just felt like this I don't know connection to not that I have a connection with Mary, but I just it was just so kind of like Adam said, beautiful in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so and that that was Mary's story and the story of her um, son, Willie. Rest in peace, Willie. That is an incredible story. It, w- it was, in- yes, incredible is a wonderful word. And I feel like if I, I didn't do it justice, if-, if you want to, I highly suggest to watch Surviving Death Episode 1. Because it talks about other stories that people have had. And that brings me to, there's such a similarity. There's so many, excuse me, so many similarities between each near-death experience that I have researched. And there's no proof. But there is, I don't know, it's just, it's so hard not to think that it's not real. Because there is the the loss of... um the sense of time Mm -hmm. everybody seems to have a loss or a distortion of time like time is no longer linear Mm -hmm. it another woman was watching surgery and she said time didn't exist she could see someone in the other room and she could see her husband getting off the plane to rush to her three cities away what he was wearing and she said and just there was no ceilings no walls it just time was just it just didn't exist. Yeah. Adam also said, um, I didn't mention this, but in his story, cause I said he, he woke six hours later. I don't remember the exact quote, but he said something like they could have said it was 30 years later and I would have believed them. Yeah. Like he didn't, the time that he was gone just felt very not accurate, I guess. Yes. Um, so the, t- the time is a, is a big factor. Uh, 
lights and colors and um, sensation is another big factor. A lot of people, uh, whether they say whoever was communicating with me was telepathically or through emotions or feelings or, you know, every color in the universe or there's a lot of people who have had NDE that start doing art to convey what they saw and they Mm -hmm. all are surprisingly so colorful and they do look like Adam's uh, resin art because Mm -hmm. they do, it is like gasoline on water, what they kind of described. It's just like every color like flowing. Um, Another part of it is like kind of a paranormal piece. Another man who had, um, he was at work, he he broke the right side of his ribs and he was taken to the hospital and they gave him a drug he was allergic to. And he had a reaction, which he was pronounced dead. And he said that if he touched a leaf, the essence of that leaf then became part of his essence. Like it, 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 it almost kind of reminded me of like dissolving into the mm-hmm. universe, like Adam said. And um, another woman said that she was just a beam of light that would get smaller and bigger. That is very, uh, that's a paranormal aspect. Another aspect is you are forever changed. Mm-hmm. Forever changed after this experience. Uh, one woman began, her, before her near-death experience, she was having premonitions. Uh, she was pregnant. And she had complications and she would have premonitions of hemorrhaging, like a feeling of hemorrhaging in her body, so much so that she rushed herself to the hospital and they did a check and said, no, you're fine. And then when it came to a few months later, she did have an actual hemorrhage and she went to the hospital and they saved her baby, uh, her son, and they were saving her and she was pronounced dead. She is the person who who experienced her daughter in the other room of the hospital and her husband getting off the plane coming to her and she just said time did not exist. Even though her husband was, you know, in another time zone, it was as if it was happening simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And she survived and she heard everything that was going on. She knew who gave her CPR. She heard her doctor had whispered this can't be happening to herself and she heard it. And she knew that she'd said that. And she had no brain function. She was flatlined, no brain function for minutes. And it's just scientifically impossible that she could have heard that. Her lasting effects from her NDE, she has premonitions. She said, um, usually it'll, it won't be her. It'll be somebody else and she could be walking and she will feel the feeling the pain of having a heart attack but it won't be her so she gets premonitions of of somebody else's death that is not a premonition that i would want to no have and i she, would not want to have that power bestowed upon me she said it's she's different after her experience she's she's she was more easygoing before and I she bet. didn't take things so seriously. And now she does. And um, she just said it's something I have to live with. The overlap of, I guess, themes. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of overlap of themes, mm-hmm. I guess you would say. I, they are more themes. More 
not so much specific specific things that happen, but themes exactly. It's it just sort of lends more uh, credence mm-hmm. to all of the stories, in my opinion. I just have so many questions now. It's like, okay, so what what is the true like essence of a person? It, and where is it a soul? Where's the source? How do we carry it in our physical bodies? Because clearly it's not in the brain. Is it just stored in every atom that we have? And it just, I don't know, combines when our physical body is, is ceased to function? Uh, and where do we go when we leave this earthly plane or this earthly body? It's just, and I feel like if you think about it, if you really think about it, near-death experience is really just a drop in this, the vastness of the beyond because you have near-death experiences and then you have mediums and then you have reincarnation and you have, you know, ghosts. It's like they're kind of all connected to one another mm-hmm. in, in this whole part of the beyond and I just think that um like Adam said I think these experiences just kind of like reaffirm that je- death is inevitable but maybe also not what we might think it is exactly and I think hearing these stories for me personally it gives me kind of this is gonna sound bizarre but like a, a kind of like a hopefulness, you know, or a sense of faith or not so much maybe like organized religion faith, but just like it's all part of the process, this process that we go through. And it's just, it's just one part of the process. It's not the end, like Mary said, or Adam said, it's just, just one step in the process of our journey. I really would like us to come back to this topic later on and look more into the studies that they're doing about it because I am just so fascinated by what this says about like you said what it means to be human what it means to what our consciousness really is how this and our soul and what makes somebody human are all intertwined there's just so much there because it just doesn't, these stories just seem so impossible, mm-hmm. but they happened. Mm-hmm. It's wild. <sighs> it's wild. I know that everyone was expecting us on this podcast to, you know, explain the soul, consciousness, humanity, and what happens after you die. But unfortunately, we cannot answer those questions right now not at this point in time I don't think that we can and I don't maybe think that we'll ever be able to until we see you next week so tune in (laughs) (laughs) and on that note thank you so much for listening we appreciate it we hope you like this like ooh paranormal kind of philosophical deep kind of weird and oh I wouldn't say spooky because I'm not like spooked out or creeped out, but like it's such a fascinating, interesting topic, at least to me in my, in my opinion. Uh, We hope you enjoyed it. I did. Me too. So 
Thank you so much for listening. Again, can't say that enough. And don't forget to love yourself. Lock your doors. And light some sage. Cheers to that. Cheers to that. Thank you.